Hey, hey, glad you're here. All right, well, it's season two, episode three this week. Uh, the Chosen begins this time with Philip teaching Matthew about God's omnipresence. Philip quotes from a psalm. If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. We cannot be where God is not. Either alive here on earth or ascending up into the atmosphere and space or laying down in death. God is already there. This fundamental truth is a perfect background for the age-old, most oft-asked question by both believers and those who don't believe. How can all-powerful, loving God allow suffering? These first followers of Jesus were so excited to see him display powers, powers of healing and powers of producing a great catch of fish, powers of turning water to wine. When they first heard him admit to being the anointed one, the prophesied Messiah, they began to dream about the possibilities. No more national oppression, no more poverty and fear, no more kowtowing to a pagan foreign power like Rome. The Jewish people were tired of century after century of captivity and suffering. And in this episode, Thomas, one of the apostles, would articulate the Jewish confusion. Why has God allowed the occupation for so long? It's hard to feel like the chosen people. Well, you could change the blank around there have you had similar confusions or questions in your life? How could an all-powerful, all-loving God allow that, allow that to happen in my family? Where was God when my marriage failed? Why wasn't that disease cured? Who benefits from that kind of an accident? What good can possibly come from that kind of evil, wicked deed. Suffering. Suffering takes us to a fork in the road. And we either take a path toward a sovereign father who is ultimately in control, or we take a path leading away from him. One author called it a crisis of belief. When God asks you to do something that you cannot do, you will face a crisis of belief. You will have to decide what you really believe about God. Have you found an impossible situation with your finances or relationships? Or maybe it's an issue of forgiveness. Maybe it's health, your job situation. When what you face is beyond your control to fix, does that change your belief about God? 
No doubt the prime example of this crisis of belief comes in the most ancient document we have in the Bible, a book called Job. In one day, this man lost all of his wealth to thieves, and he lost all of his children to a storm. Shortly thereafter, in another day, he lost all of his health. Debilitating boils covered him from head to foot. He was in constant pain. His response? At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell down to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Job's wife couldn't stand to see him suffer so, and in her grief she suggested that he'd curse God and just end it all. Job's response? Shall we accept the good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. What we live through or die from is not a picture of the nature of God. Will our faith allow us to see that his love and grace transcends our physical life's events? Helen Grace Lashide tries to open our eyes of faith. Look how she put it. Our circumstances are not an accurate reflection of God's goodness. Whether life is good or bad, God's goodness rooted in his character, is the same. My life's events are not a picture of what God is like. To write God into my life as good or bad, determined by what may or may not happen to me in this physical existence, well, that, that would be the height of self-worship. I would be trying to recreate God in my image. But you all, he's beyond anything that I can think. Whatever suffering we endure is always with purpose, and we are never in isolation. You may feel alone, but that doesn't remove the fact that you're not. We don't see the full purpose because my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. And why is whatever suffering we go through never something that puts us in isolation? Because if I go up to the heavens, he's there. If I make my bed in the depths, he's there. I freely admit that words about suffering usually fall woefully short and don't provide much lasting comfort when somebody's going through it. Times in my life when I've gone through suffering, usually if somebody tries to tell me something, I'm in my heart thinking, boy, I wish you'd be quiet. <laughs> but inspiration can be found in observing other people's faith who are going through times of struggle. You may not know this name, George Matheson. He was engaged to a young woman that he deeply loved but tragedy struck 
during their engagement before the wedding ceremony, a condition came on Matheson, rendering him totally blind. It was too much for his fiancée to deal with. She canceled the wedding, explaining that marrying a blind man was more than she was willing to give. Naturally, he was devastated, but he wrote something. In his brokenness and suffering, he wrote a song that believers have been singing for over a hundred years. Oh, love that will not let me go. His fiance would let him go, but he found a love that would not let him go. I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe. He would go on to say, O oh, joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I chase the rainbow through the rain, through the storm, and feel the promise is not vain that morn shall tearless be. Seeing Matheson's suffering draw him nearer to the Father is inspiring, as is this hero to many of us, Joni Erickson Tata. Since she was 18 years old, she's lived the life of a, of a quadriplegic because of a diving accident. She turned 72 this year. She was once asked, what are you going to say to God when you see him? She said, I'm going to fold up my wheelchair, hand it to Jesus and say, thanks, I needed that. Joseph Lincoln caught this perspective when he said, trouble affects folks differently. Troubles are like hot weather. It sours milk, but it sweetens apples. Look what Cliff said. Although I know not why God allowed evil, I do know that he wants to destroy it. Although I do not know why God allowed pain, I do know that he wants to wipe every tear from our eyes and give us joy for eternity in his presence. Can we in faith believe that God has a purpose in it all, that suffering won't last? Well, let me give you one more ancient prophecy yet to be fulfilled. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Ask the Lord to give you faith to trust him, to know that he's good and that his love is great.